Good morning and welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. I am Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church. It's Luke chapter 4 on tap for us today, the 636th day of our three-year journey through the Word of God. Let's pray and ask the Lord's help as we turn to this chapter of His Holy Word. Father in heaven, we are your people, called by your name, set apart by your grace and for your glory, instructed by your word, being made into the image of your Son. This is your great work of grace, of salvation, of your glory and our good, and we are thankful for it. We pray that you would teach us today by your word and make us more like Jesus, our Savior, as we learn to walk more closely with him. We pray this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Luke chapter 4. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all, the, all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I give it to whom I will. If then you will worship me, it will all be yours. And Jesus answered him, It is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. And he took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph's son? And he said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, Truly I say to you, 
No prophet is acceptable in his hometown. But in truth, I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel at the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath, and they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. And he went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and he was teaching them on the Sabbath, and they were astonished at his teaching, for his word possessed authority. And in the synagogue there was a man who had the spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, Ha! What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him down in their midst, he came out of him, having done him no harm. And they were all amazed and said to one another, What is this word? For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And reports about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. And he arose and left the synagogue and entered Simon's house. Now Simon's mother-in-law was ill with a high fever, and they appealed to him on her behalf. And he stood over her and rebuked her, and it left her. And immediately she rose and began to serve them. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying, You are the Son of God! But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak, because they knew he was the Christ. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him and would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Well, that is Luke chapter 4. And as we've seen in Luke, each one of these chapters is so packed full of so much to look at. Now, we covered the temptation of Jesus when we were in Matthew's gospel, but it's such a central and pivotal passage. I think it's important for us to look at it again. Jesus, as soon as he was anointed as our Messiah, that's what's happening in his baptism. He's being anointed as our Messiah by the Holy Spirit through the baptism of John. And he's now our representative. He's now our Messiah. He's now the Savior of God's people. Um, He's always been the perfect son of God, and he was the son of man. He's fully God and fully man, but now he's anointed for his ministry as Messiah. As soon as that happens, he goes by the leading of the Holy Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. This was not a 
vegetable fast. This was not a, you know, I'm going to fast from chocolate. He ate nothing during those days. An understatement of the year belongs to Luke 4, 2. And when they were ended, he was hungry. You think? Little hungry? No food for 40 days in a desert wilderness? And so the very first way that he's attacked is at that level of appetite. If you are the Son of God, command the stone to become bread. The second temptation is a temptation of covetousness for possession, position, power, a desire to have for yourself. And it's all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and all the authority in their glory has been given over to Satan. That's what happened when Adam obeyed Satan. Adam put the whole human race under Satan's command and control. And Satan says, just worship me and it'll all be yours. You can have it all. You can have it all. You can satisfy your appetites, temptation one. You can have it all, temptation two. And then temptation three, he takes him to the pinnacle of the temple and says, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you on their hands. They will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. Here he's saying, show everyone who you are. Show them beyond a shadow of a doubt who you are. And this will be such an awesome display that they will be in all of you. Each time Jesus answers with scripture and with scripture deliberately designed to answer that kind of temptation. Man shall not live by bread alone. We are not creatures of appetite only. Our appetites are real, but that's not what we live by alone. And so we shouldn't let it control us, right? That's appetite. And then worship, covetousness and desiring to have is always a matter of worship. It's always a matter of worth, putting a greater worth on the things of the world that we think that by having them we'll be better off. Our worship belongs to God alone because God alone is worthy. You shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. And then the third kind of temptation is this pride temptation. And our pride Whenever we're puffed up with pride, we're putting God to the test because we're saying, I think I am all that. I think I am hot stuff. And we're really challenging God for the glory of our lives. And that's putting the Lord God to the test. And you shall not put the Lord God to the test. So there's, there's lust of the flesh is the first one. And lust of the eyes is the second one. And pride of life is the third one. Heard that combination before? Yeah, it's in 1 John chapter 2, 15 to 17 as the things that belong to the world. Do not love the world or the things that are in the world for all that is in the world. First John 2 says, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. John could use those three descriptors, those three categories to sum up everything that is in the world that doesn't come from God. And here in verse 13, we're told, when the devil had ended every temptation, you know, the book of Hebrews tells us, as we saw when we were in it, that our high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ, is faithful because he was tempted in every way, just as we are, and yet was without sin. And here in verse 13, it says, when the devil had ended every temptation, how could three temptations be every temptation and be tempted in every way? Because there are really only three categories of temptation. Appetite covetousness, self-exaltation, pride. Feed yourself, 
acquire for yourself, exalt yourself. If you go back to Genesis 3 and you read the way the fruit in the Garden of Eden is described and why it was tempting to Eve and to Adam who was with her, Eve looked at the fruit, saw that it was good for food, appetite, pleasing to the eyes, lust of the eyes, and desirous to make one wise, pride of life. She could feed herself. She could satisfy her desire to have a pretty thing. And she could make herself great. That is sin. That's the essence of sin, is those three aspects of self-centeredness. Self-satisfying appetites, self-possessing covetousness, and self-exalting pride. And the scriptures that Jesus uses, all taken from the book of Deuteronomy, which is a book that kings were required to write out by hand before they could be king of Israel, Jesus wrote it on his heart, memorized the whole thing, so that he could quote the appropriate verses at the appropriate time to answer Satan's temptation. He overcame that temptation for us and for our salvation. And having done that, he then goes out and begins his ministry. He goes in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and he teaches in their synagogues, and he is holding them spellbound. They are amazed at the power of his teaching until he comes to Nazareth. There, they don't really have a lot of patience for Jesus because they know who he is. So when he reads from Isaiah the prophet, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering a sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he says, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. They're amazed at first. They can't believe that someone would, would say such a thing. What a marvelous thing to say. And then they begin to question, wait a minute, we know this guy. Isn't this Joseph's son? And then he can see, he knows what's in their heart. They're saying two things at once. Prove it, and we want some. In their heart, they're saying toward Jesus, and we know this by the way he reacts to them, they're saying, you're the son of Joseph. You better prove it if you're going to make such a claim about yourself. And second, we want some. We want our take. If you're our hometown boy, you better give us the first dibs. And Jesus won't have anything to do with that. He's not going to be ruled by people. And so he says, doubtless you'll quote this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. That's probably exactly what they were about to say to him. And he interrupts them and reads their mind. <laughs> what you've heard in Capernaum, do in your own hometown as well. Hey, you've done great miracles. We've heard about it. Let's see them. Let's see them. Let's bring it up. But Jesus says, no, no prophet's acceptable in his hometown. And then he gives them examples of how Elijah went to Zarephath and how Elisha cleansed a Syrian. And they don't like that at all because he's telling them, I'm not going to be your cash cow. I'm not your cosmic ATM. I didn't come here to spit out miracles and bring fame to Nazareth and wealth and satisfied life. That's not going to happen. That's not why I'm here. And they just are about done with him. And so they take him outside of town, to the edge of the cliff. We got to stand on the edge of that cliff when we were in Israel back in May. And boy, what a powerful thought. Because you look down that cliff and you realize they meant business. This was not some little hillside 
that he might have taken a tumble down, he would have not have survived. And it's a serious thing. And that's where he shows his power is very quietly by passing through their midst and going away. Jesus will not be controlled. He will not be used. You can say his name. You can manipulate people in his name. But the real Jesus, the Jesus of Scripture, is not manipulated into giving what you want. That's why the whole name it, claim it, prosperity gospel nonsense is exactly that nonsense. Every page of Scripture cries out against that kind of theology. Jesus will not be controlled and manipulated to serve your lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life, as if Jesus should be a servant to give you self-exaltation and self-satisfaction because you named it and you claimed it and you said all the great I am statements about yourself. I am strong and I am powerful and I am blessed and I believe. And so, no, that ain't how it works. That is not how it works. That's not the gospel. That is a toxic, fraudulent counterfeit. Come to Jesus as Lord. You come for the forgiveness of your sins because what we bring is sin. Jesus gives forgiveness. And then Jesus extends grace and we show gratitude. Here's a man possessed of demons in the synagogue in Capernaum and Jesus sets him free because he is helpless and he is a victim of Satan's tyranny and Jesus has come to set us free from the tyranny of the devil and then he sets free Simon's mother-in-law from the tyranny of debilitating illness at his will for his purposes and then he frees Everyone who has diseases and demons, because Jesus came to proclaim liberty to the captives, to set the captives free. He came to do that. He didn't come to do parlor tricks to make people rich. He came to set us free. What we most need to be freed from, what do we most need to be freed from? Our sin and its consequences, which are eternal and disastrous. And so Jesus goes preaching the good news of the kingdom, the kingdom that says the king is here, Serve the king, and the king will set you free from what most holds you in bondage, your sin and its consequences. Jesus is such a good savior. He's such a wonderful savior. He's not to be controlled or manipulated. He's not to be predicted and used. He's to be worshipped, glorified, trusted, obeyed, and he will bring us the greatest freedom from the greatest bondage for the greatest period of time forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Jesus, our Savior. Thank you for the salvation we have in him who is our salvation. Write your word upon our hearts. Write your son upon our souls that we might live and love and follow and grow in Jesus every day. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for joining me for Luke chapter 4 tomorrow. We are going back to the book of Nehemiah. Hope you can join me for that, and I do hope you have a blessed day in the Lord.